Welcome, everybody, to the world is a mess, and I just want to steampunk it. This is episode 87, March 5th, 2023. I'm your host, Steampunk Star Raisin, and I am here in North Hollywood, California, USA. I'm here with my co-host, Daniel Bertison. He is in Bellwood, Ontario, Canada. How's it going, Daniel? Mm, I'm surviving. Thanks. I don't. Um, I had fun. I had, went two days to uh, AlienCon. What'd you see there? I saw some. So I saw uh, a lot of interesting sci-fi stuff. There were some toy dealers, some comic book dealers, some UFO cults, some crazy people. But mostly very nice. We still had a lot of fun. I did a lot of walking around today. I'm like starving. Anyway. There was a lot of... Uh, Oh, there was only one guy selling comic books. There was like two indie dealers selling. There was like Asylum Comics was there. But Asylum Comics, they do stuff like Fearless Dawn. That was a comic book that I bought. And I, I bought this because I thought the cover was beautiful and interesting and iconic. Asylum of a Horrors, Asylum of a Horrors Halloween special. It's got a naked chick on the cover. Anyway, that those are the comics I got from Asylum Comics at um, Alien Con. I went to one of the panels uh, and I recorded most of it. But the security was a jerk. And took issue with me recording. But but yeah, I bought a bunch of other comics. Like including some really important key issues. Like I really underpaid for this. I actually haggled the guy down to about got paid like the equivalent of twenty five bucks because I bought it in a group amount. But this is like an eighty dollar book. But um, Flash issue one forty seven. Do you know what the significance of this book is? This is from like nineteen sixty four. So this is Silver oh, Age. Oh, that one. I like the Flash of Two Worlds. Well, this is the second a second appearance of Professor Zoom, mm -hmm. a.k.a. Reverse Flash. Because the first appearance, I think, was an issue like 137, I think. I can't remember. I have to look it up. But this, I looked it up before I bought this. This is this book has been going up in value lately. I paid like I think twenty five bucks for it. Mm -hmm. It is a really well beat beat up copy, but it is complete. It's in like maybe um, 
good condition, but um, pretty solid copy. It presents really well. Second appearance of Zoom. Very early appearance of Zooms. Second time he only appeared. But yeah, um, pretty good deal. This is like an $80 book on eBay. You see, that, that picture on the, that cover implies that Professor Zoom is from a parallel Earth. But I know well, they say he's from the future, too, but so that, that kind of shows it. Well, they retconned it. They retconned it because this is before Crisis on Infinite Earths. This oh. is from, like, 1964. Then in 1985, they did Crisis on Infinite Earths. And they rebooted everything. But yeah, I got a, um, a really good near mint uh, copy of Avengers 275. Um, but yeah, that was my favorite find of the of the of the, the weekend was that. Oh, I was going to say, this is a pretty good. Um, this is a really well beat up copy but it um i haggled them down to only about 10 bucks uh it's missing little tiny chunks and the cover is all taped up i would say this thing is like in fair condition it's got a big chunk missing um this is avengers issue 14 this is from like 1963 so this is really early copy of avengers this is not a key issue but it's just an early copy of avengers i figured for 10 bucks why not? It's a good reader copy. Nor normally, if this was like in near mint condition, this would probably be going for hundreds of dollars, but I got it for only 10 bucks. And this was a, a little bit better copy. This is an early Bronze Age issue from the early 70s. This is Giant Size Avengers issue two. And this is considered a key issue. Do you know why? Because it's got Ramatut, uh, Ramatut. It's revealed that Ramatut is a variant of Kang the Conqueror. So it's considered a key issue because of that. Oh, wow. Ramatut. I like that. I like that guy. He's cool. So there's like Ramatut and there's Kang the Conqueror versus the Avengers. But yeah, this would have been... You could tell this was just sitting in a, in a comic bin somewhere. And somebody was flipping through comics and it wasn't bagged and boarded like it should. If it wasn't for it being a little bit beat up at the top, this would be like a near mint copy. But it's, I would say, it's probably like fine condition because oh, yeah. of, there's a little bit of wear at the top. But oh, and this was another good find. I would say this is probably like fine maybe fine plus star wars issue one from 1977 nice now this is the whitman reprint they used to uh actually i think this reprint was reprinted in 1978 uh because the comic was so popular it sold out and so uh whitman comics got a license to reprint uh, Marvel or early Marvel Star Wars, and you can tell it's the Whitman reprint because it has no barcode, it's just solid right, white right there, and it has a diamond price code. But yeah, um, 
I I managed to haggle him down to about half that price. So he had it listed for 80 and I got it for 40. Now, if this was the actual original printing from 19, this is from like 1978. The, um, the original one with the barcode is worth much more. And then the, um, uh, there's also a 30 cent variant that's worth like a thousand bucks in near mint condition. But yeah. Got Incredible Hulk issue 393. I really love the foil cover on that. And Star Wars issues. This is actually in pretty good shape. Star Wars issue seven from 1977. Um, this is a key issue because this is the first issue of Star Wars the first comic book issue of Star Wars that was an original story and not a movie adaptation. Because the first six issues of Marvel Star Wars were an adaptation of Star Wars A New Hope. And this is the first original story. And I had bought a copy of this before, but the other copy I had had, had a little bit of a tear in it. This, um, this is also a Whitman um Whitman uh, comic pack, but uh, this is in pretty good shape. Pretty good shape. I would say this is actually near mint. And then uh, X Men issue 61. It's the first appearance of Saron or something like that. It's the first appearance of this dinosaur creature. Saron or something like that. But uh, this is the J.C. Penney's reprint from the 1990s. This is not. This is like in near mint condition, but it's not worth as much as the original X Men 61. Now I have original version. This is from like I think this is a 15 center. This is from like 1970. I have the original X Men 61, the original first printing. This is the second printing in the 1990s that J.C. Penney version it's got like jc penny's ad in the back and this is the original uh like 1970 x-men issues uh 61 although this one is also like in fair condition because it's missing a big chunk here missing a big chunk there but it's still cool um i think i haggled the guy down i got this for like six bucks not bad for uh, an original X-Men comic from 1970. And that's before the new team. But I also got yeah, this is like in like near mint condition, but yeah. Um, also got Fantastic Four issue 250. This is when John Byrne was the comic book artist and writer for Fantastic Four. And this is a double-sized issue. It's always good to have John Byrne art. Because I don't think he's really doing comics anymore. He's kind of semi-retired. Uh, got some early Spider-Man. This is like uh, Bronze Age. Not early, but old Spider-Man, Bronze Age. Um, 
yeah, I'd say this is probably like very fine minus because it has a little bit of a dog ear in one corner. But yeah, Amazing Spider-Man issue 174 from 1977. And then this is actually in like near mint condition. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man issue 196 from 1979. But yeah, it's an interesting cover. Mary Parker. And then um, I had Amazing Spider-Man issue 183 from 1978. He didn't have any Silver Age Spider-Man. That's in high demand right now. And then um, I got these on behalf of my girlfriend because my girlfriend, one of her favorite comic book characters is Morpheus. And she didn't have any early in her comic book collection. She didn't have any early appearances of Morpheus. But yeah, this is uh, Adventure into Fear, issue 26. This is from, I think from like 1976 or something. Early Morpheus appearance from the 70s. And then this is Adventure into Fear, issue 23. Another early Morpheus appearance. She actually hates the movie, but she loves the comic book version of the character. Because she collects all kinds of Morpheus merchandise. So what's that link you sent me? What now? It's a short. It says it, it's about why dating today is nearly impossible. Well, that's not true. Just gotta it get is you. for some people. You know, some people are just not... Well, you don't get out there, that's why. Not really interesting. They don't have very much to say. Well, or to offer, you know? If he legalized cloning, you would never have to date anybody. And, and you would never have to procreate. You just clone yourself, and then you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. There are all kinds of dating websites and dating apps. But you don't have a smartphone, so... But I, I would disagree. I mean, I was able to find a girlfriend. I have a lot more dating experience than you. But yeah, if you don't get out, go to a convention. I've told you that. You don't ever get out. You stay in your house. You maybe go out with your brother for fast food or something. But you're not going to meet a lot of people that way because it's not a social environment going to. A, if you go to like a fast food restaurant or you go into a restaurant out to eat or a grocery store, if that's not a very good social environment to meet somebody. You can, you can meet people at conventions. 
Yeah. I had a real pleasant conversation with this very attractive blonde girl. She was at the Sasquatch booth at Alien Con. I live in Seattle, Washington. She said she followed me on my podcast, and she did. Oh, she may even be listening, but she was very attractive, and and you know they have a lot of paranormal stuff at Alien Con. They had a couple of Sasquatch booths, um, mm -hmm. booths dedicated to UFOs. They had like three different booths dedicated to psychics. Um, there were a couple uh, of UFO cults there, like the Ethereans or the the Ethereans, I think is what they call themselves. So, but you know, it's not like I asked for her number. She lived in Seattle, Washington, anyway. And, um, but I had good rapport with her. I was able to talk. I mean, cause I have a girlfriend, so, but I'm just, I'm giving you an example. There are women out there that you have common interests with, but you got to go to conventions. You got to go to places where you can meet people and socialize people. Yeah. It's kind of but hard when you have no money. Well, you got to conserve your money better. Don't go out to eat so much. But yeah, I mean, it was, um, it was fun. Um, I got really good deals on some comic books because, like, looking up, like, let me go to Key Collector. Mm -hmm. I, I love the Key Collector app on the website. It's really look good for looking up the values of comics and see if let's see. Mm -hmm. Actually, yeah, second appearance of a Zoom in good condition is worth about 30 bucks. So I got an yeah. okay deal. I paid like 25 bucks for that. Because the first appearance of Zoom was in September 1963. But anyway, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. I guess what we could talk about next, because I talked about 
do you have any questions about alien con for a move on to the next topic yeah did they ever did they ever mention the names of the alien races the different alien races like the gray aliens or the, the great the green aliens yeah i mean i didn't go to any of those panels I, the panel i went to was discussing it was called ancient aliens leaving planet earth discussing possibility for the future for humans to travel to other planets like mars or to uh the moon and possible future space technology and settlements and so Did they ever talk about like like you know have you heard that like i don't know i heard a few years ago scientists found another earth-like planet on the other side of the sun and they called it mobius it's like a, a earth oh that's planet. that's been debunked that's mythology what? that's what? been debunked oh really when it wasn't it was never based on credible evidence i mean but yeah i mean that was they, they were saying that that was going to be the end of the world back in with the Mayan calendar in 2012, this was 10 years ago, and uh, there was a hidden planet on the other side of the sun, and then eventually Earth would collide into this planet. I can't remember what it was called, but... They, they called it Mobius. It was crazy conspiracy theory that's been debunked. We've, we've had satellites in orbit around the sun. Mm-hmm. What about what about like what about the scientists? They 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 found actually found other Earth-like planets in like other. I don't know if it's in our. Solar well, they system found or... other Earth-like planets in other solar systems. This is an Earth-like planet, uh, four point seven light years from here. But can they actually sustain life? I don't know what they're saying. They can actually sustain. Well, life? the problem is, is like the Proxima B, which is around Proxima. Centauri, uh, or or Proxima. Anyway, the uh, Proxima Centauri system has three stars, and then one of the stars, um, I think it's Proxima Centauri, um, has Proxima B, and that is a Earth-sized planet. The problem is, is it orbits really close to its red dwarf star. The red dwarf star doesn't produce as much energy as the sun, but it's also a lot more unstable and produces a lot of uh, radiation that could eradicate life. So it's widely believed also that Proxima B is tidally locked to the red dwarf star, which means that it's orbiting so close that one side of the planet is always facing it. So one side is baked and cooked and then the other side is frozen, which doesn't leave very good prospects for life on that planet. I mean, it's possible that along the um, vertical, it would be like a vertical equator um, running north and south. There would be a line where the temperature would be just right. It would not be like, you know, um, wouldn't be like super hot. And it wouldn't be super cold. It would be in between, but it would only be a very narrow band strip of land in between uh, the side that's always facing the sun and the side that's always facing away. And so because it's tidally locked, believed to be tidally locked, um, there's very little chance that it probably has life. Uh, I mean, it's possible it could have a type of life that we 
um, as humans um, may have a hard time comprehending. But yeah, I don't believe that uh, just because it's UFOs doesn't mean it's alien. And I don't believe that there's ever been any evidence that aliens have come to Earth. But I've met people who actually do believe that. But uh, I just, I'm a skeptic. I, I stay critical of things like that. I'm like, hey, if you think aliens are here, you need to show me a piece of alien technology, alien corpse, alien DNA, something, tangible evidence. But they never have tangible evidence. But yeah, it was a lot of mystical thinking, people selling uh, crystals and other um, interesting stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it was a fun convention. You know, I didn't take any of that stuff too seriously. But you're lucky. You're lucky. You can go to conventions and have fun. I'm being terrorized every single day. Well, you got to focus with your therapist on finding your own place. Yeah. But actually, you know what? I want to talk to. I want to talk about this a little bit. Um, I thought we were going to talk about not your what? personal problems. We were going to no, talk no, about no, no, Picard. no. It, it, no. I'm, I'm about talking Picard about... and talk about. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and hey, also talk all, about you can talk about the oh. Mandalorian. Okay, fine. I'll talk about this on the phone with you later. But um, uh, okay. Oh, I haven't seen them. I haven't seen the Mandalorian yet, but I have seen Picard. And let me tell you, oh my God, episode three was the best so far. I loved it. Yeah. The only it. the only criticism I have about episode three, and this is going to be a spoiler for those of you who haven't seen it, is I thought. Riker was a little bit too harsh to Picard. Oh my god, everybody says that. Everybody like, oh, this isn't this isn't the Riker that we knew. Yeah, it just doesn't seem harsh. like Riker to me because Riker would trust his captain. Now, granted, Riker's now a captain, and he got the command codes transferred to him, so he was technically captain of the ship. And Picard was only acting as an advisor, as a retired admiral. But um, I just thought that he was a little bit harsh and he was being a little bit too pacifist when it came to trying to fight the alien ship. But yeah, I thought the portal weapon was pretty cool technology and I thought it was interesting how she kept using it against the Titan. That I think that's kind of dangerous using that weapon because like you never know, like yeah, you can open the portal tech, but you know what? You never know where it may lead. It could, it could lead to a different dimension if, if you're not careful. Well, I mean... It depends on how you have a calibrate, how you have the weapon calibrated. But yeah, um, no, that was a pretty cool effect. For the most part, I liked the episode. I did think it was a little bit flawed with him telling Picard to leave the bridge and then he doomed him to die. But we'll, oh, we'll you know, see. Okay, I, I would like to, to throw some some Star Trek trivia. Okay, um, uh -huh. I'm talking to Star. I'm talking to a big Star Trek fan, or he's a big Star Trek channel called Trek Yards, Captain Foley. Yeah, and um, you know, he says that, that when we see the Enterprise F in Picard, it's going to be retired. It's not going to be the new Enterprise that we get. It's going to be retired. The Enterprise F was commissioned in the year twenty three eighty six. Okay. So, yeah. So 
Mm-hmm. 2386 to 2405 would be like what 15 years it, it was decommissioned and now it's decommissioned that really sucks because we never got to see the enterprise app we never did we saw the enterprise Well, what happened E. to the Enterprise E? Uh, I think it was, uh, I think that it, it w went to a, the museum. It, it's mothballed. Oh, yeah, because it was almost completely destroyed in Nemesis. Yeah. And, um, so it's so sad. We never got to see the Enterprise F and we, when we, well, sorry, when we do see it, it'll be decommissioned. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of a downer, but at least we'll see it, right? And it'll be put in a museum or mothballed or something. I mean, from what I'm hearing is, we're going to see every Enterprise. Well, we We're we going never to see... got to see too much of the Enterprise B or the Enterprise No, no, C. yeah, but at the I'm hearing at the end of the show, we're going to see a bunch of Enterprises. We're going to see the Enterprise A. That still exists because it was mothballed. Enterprise A, Enterprise B. The Enterprise C was lost. Enterprise D was lost. Yeah, E was mothballed. I mean, we only got to see it in yesterday's Enterprise. I look like a pretty cool ship. Um, you know, they could have done a whole show with uh, Captain Garrett. But, um, and then also, um, the Enterprise B got introduced to it in Star Trek Generations, but we never saw it again. There was rumors that they were going to do a Captain Solo, or Cap, not a Captain Solo, sorry, Captain Sulu, excuse me. I am starting to get tired. It's been a long day. But they were going to do a Captain Sulu series, or they were trying to spin off a Captain Sulu series based on that. Yeah, it was sometime after like that Voyager episode, they wanted to do that. And I'm like, oh, that would have been so cool, but it never did. Uh, yeah, that is a shame. I know that George Takei is lobbying to come back to Star Trek. He's he's saying like, you know, he's always saying good things about New Trek, all saying good things about Discovery, you know. He wants to come back, but for some reason they just well wait, he did appear in uh lower decks. Yeah. But that's about it. But Oh, I never yeah. saw Lower Decks. I it didn't interest me. It looked like a kid's show. It's too goofy. It is. It's really goofy. It takes place in the 2380s after after Nemesis, but before Picard. Okay. I don't even know if it's canon. Well, I think they are going to canonize it because two characters from Strange New Worlds is going to come onto Strange. No, wait. Two characters from Lower Decks is going to go back in time and go onto Strange New Worlds. So, yeah, but I don't know how they're going to do that. And they're canceling Discovery after season Oh, yeah. five. They're, oh, yeah. But, yeah, they're, they're canceling Discovery after season five. And Picard season three is the final season. So, see, from... Oh, I forgot to give you the article. They're thinking about a Worf and Raffi show. Well, that be, could be interesting. I, I always love me some Worf. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, it's overdue to bring back Worf. So I think that's But also... I hope, I What really made hope they season don't. three Yeah. so far of Picard more interesting was the fact that they brought back all the original Next Generation crew, or they're going to, and including Worf. Worf is always, that was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, So. but I just hope that they don't replace, they don't say, oh, we're going to do a Raffi, a Wharf and Raffi show instead of Section 31. I'm like, oh, why are you going to do that? You're going to replace one show with another.
I don't know. I just want a good story. I want yeah. good Star Trek. That's and I'm. I think it's a step in the right direction. Canceling um, Discovery because it was long overdue. It was a total, total shit show. Yeah, um, it was. It was. It I know Trek culture for whatever reason likes Discovery, and they said that they thought that it was uncalled for for Star Trek fans to say good riddance. And I actually commented good riddance on his YouTube channel because I. I'd say good riddance because that show is so stupid. I mean, I, I stopped watching it after season two when they had that whole stupid plot line with he's got a Klingon inside his bones and he's got dual personalities because there's a Klingon trapped inside his bones. I mean, it's, that's the dumbest, asinine, most asinine writing I ever heard of. And none of the characters are likable. I mean, Captain Pike is a little bit likable, but, you know, he's only a supporting character that was introduced in season two. And for the most part, the main characters of Discovery, seasons one and season two, weren't that likable. And I just, the show is Kelvin timeline garbage. I can't, I can't stand, I can't stand uh, Mikey Spock. Can't stand who? Michael Burnham, they call her Mikey Spock. Oh, yeah, I don't like her character. She's a very unlikable character. She gets her captain killed. She gets her ship destroyed. She starts a war with the Klingons, gets millions of people killed. Oh, and the Klingons look like space turds. They don't even look like Klingons, which, <laughs> whatever. It was just, it was stupid. But, yeah, so... I mean, if they do a Worf and Raffy show, that would be interesting. We can't have enough Worf, right? That'd be kind of cool. But anyways, okay, before we run out of time, let's do a, a Ukraine war update. Yeah, because we're down to five minutes. So let me... Because there's a major battle going on in Ukraine right now. But yeah, right now... Share screen. All right, can you see that? This is the mm-hmm. battle map. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, I mean, not really too much has changed. I mean, a couple months ago, the Russian army pulled out of uh, Kyrgyzstan and they held up a defense line at the Dnieper River. Uh, there's been heavy fighting in the Damask region near uh, uh, Bekmut. And uh, Solidar. And from what I understand, the Russian army is counterattacked in a major spring offensive towards uh, Bakhmut and Solidar. Um, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing one of those names, but uh, um, I think they've retaken Solidar and they've mostly surrounded Bakhmut. And the Ukrainian army is trying to turn the city into a fortress. So we'll see um, 
this has turned into a battle of attrition. So it depends on, but losses are heavy on both sides and it will depend on who can afford the losses more and who knows how long this war will last. Um, but yeah, we're at day uh, 375. It's been over a year, one year, one month into this war with no end in sight. And as you can see here, the red regions are the regions that the Russian army controls. The white regions are Ukrainian territory that they control. And then the blue regions are Ukrainian counterattacks within the last couple of months, territory that they've retaken. But yeah, so it's it's kind of stagnated. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, what will happen near Salador and Bakhmut. But I mean, I hope that I know that China has tried to step in and mediate peace, but the United States is not hearing it. I'm worried that we're growing into a distant Western coalition versus Eastern coalition, and this could lead to World War III. Uh, I just think the longer the war goes on, the more it jeopardizes the world food supply, causes food prices to be high, the more people it needlessly die on both sides. Uh, and it's just bad all around. So. You know, some people say that. Oh, we, is... we got only a minute left, but you need, we need to wrap it up. Okay. Well, I want to say some people say the news is lying to us and nothing's really happening and stuff. Like, for example, I know that like, like, for example, Salty Trekker says like nothing is happening. Don't listen to the news. And, you know, and it's all fake. And, you know. Well, I mean. Salty Trekker is an a-hole, and I wouldn't listen to anything he said anyway. So, um, no, there's a war going on. You know, I've heard, heard conservatives try to say, well, there's nothing really going on, and it's all corruption. But we're I mean, less than a minute about... left. Nope, nope, nope. We got to wrap it up. Oh, I don't want to cut it off. I don't want to get cut off. This is your host, Steampunk Star Raisin. The world is a mess, and I just want to steampunk it. This is uh, episode 87. Thank you for joining me. You have a nice day, and I will sue 25 billion years. I will. Bye. Okay, we got less than a minute. It's going to just abruptly cut off. I have to beat, because then it doesn't look as, I mean, you know, I like it to at least have my exit line and properly close.